Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Seb Philpott. And my name is Verity Simmons. And this is Three in a Bar. Hey, it's been a while, hasn't it? It feels like it has, even with the struggle to set up. (laughs) Yeah, we couldn't find any of our equipment. Nothing, no. Uh, It's been a a while since we've done, well, it's it's two weeks, isn't it? Is that that it? Yeah, I know, but but I feel like it's been a full two weeks, hasn't it? Like of stuff, life. Yeah. (laughs) A lot's changed, guys, hasn't it? Yeah. Including the colour of your room. Which is, is it? lovely. That roof is but ceiling, sorry, not roof. It's delightful. Roof. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to see the roof from, from <laughs> I guess inside it's a big this hole. bedroom. Oh but... shit, there's a hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually I did do this room in in I'd say April. Really? March. Oh, so it's yeah, a change of venue. I don't always point the uh the, the old laptop screen no, towards lovely. the ceiling, but isn't it nice? Isn't it I'm nice? It. it looks dead classy in there. It's green. Very nice. Green ceiling. Yeah. White walls. With a base in the background. Class. Yeah. Double base. It's in use at the moment. Oh, fantastic. My wife is practicing every day. She's got some gigs. It's great. Yes. That is brilliant. The the balance is coming it's coming back. Oh. You know, the, the levels are returning. The, the, zen. the gigs are pouring in. Good. <laughs> I say pouring in. I mean there, there's some gigs. There's a few gigs. <laughs> a light trickle. But it's nice. Good. It's been good. It's been good. Ah, great. So yeah. we are we are here today. Yes, we're here. Gathered. <laughs> gathered sit, here if you're today. not sat down, sit down. Find yes. a nice comfy chair. Mm-hmm. Unless you're cycling or, or walking or driving. Well, in yeah. which case you should should be in a chair, but or yeah. cycling. All right. If you're walking, carry on walking. Yeah, we don't please. want to make you late for anything. Nope. If you're driving, nope. keep concentrating. Just have us as a background sound. <laughs> background bit of just noise uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah but but uh, enjoy this show mm. we've got a cracking guest for you yes we have we did this one in person in his flat in an undisclosed location in east london <laughs> slightly you'll never find out where it is <laughs> yeah his name is verity no it's not verity no verity, but wouldn't that be lovely his name his name is 
Theo Jameson, and he is a composer, he is a lyricist, he is a pianist, he is a musical director, he's all that. You did all of them, yeah. Yeah. Musical supervisor as well. That's that's one step above all of that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Musical supervisors have to wear um, a big scarf. Oh, that's what I imagine. Flowing clothes. Yeah. They waltz into big rooms and. Yeah, they they waltz and they swan, don't they? Yeah, swan swan around. Yeah. That's all they do. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's a very important job. Hey, it was great seeing Theo, wasn't it? It was nice. Yeah, Yeah. we went to his flat. It was, it was great. In person, he gave us uh, coffee. Yeah, he did. He bought some flowers for the first time in his life. (laughs) Oh my God, he was obsessed with those flowers. (laughs) <laughs> he even had a little manual on his table um, telling you, like just talking him through the process of looking after these flowers. Like he'd take it very seriously. Yeah, it really was. He bought a vase too. Never bought a vase before. So I feel like in some way we, we've actually actively uh, in, enriched his life, yeah. matured him in, in a way that he'd never been matured before. He is becoming, becoming a man in front of our eyes. Oh, it's very moving. He's already a man, obviously. He's been a man for a while, but... Man-child. You know, yeah. A man-child. Yeah. <laughs> but in a good way. In a in lovely, a way. lovely way, yeah. So Theo... full, talented, good guy. Absolutely Sorry, bang on. on. <laughs> so Theo, I say again, yeah, yeah. he has just written, like literally, a whole new musical in seven weeks, which yeah. was commissioned by BBC World Service. It's called You.me. I mean, yeah. that is some speed work. That was it's like 50 something minutes, 56 minutes, 54 minutes. That is an awful lot of music and lyrics yeah. to write. It's really impressive. Yeah. It's uh, you can listen to it as a audio thing, but there is also visuals mm-hmm. to it with some brilliant animation. Yeah. So you can consume it in a number of different ways. I mean two two ways i guess but uh the it's really good like it genuinely is really good and i remember the first time i heard it as i as i say that the first track got released and it just was immediately very catchy but also very detailed and good yeah and that's a tough thing to do yeah and uh well we we talk about making a musical because like you know how often do you get to make I mean, it never happens does it make a musical in this no, short time exactly. usually musicals they take like six seven eight years yeah workshopping workshops and, yeah and just focus groups to death but <laughs> it was you know totally different thing here he's just just had to write it go with the, the first thing he thought of at times just like right we'll, we'll stick with that and see what happens yeah and um yeah it's really interesting i feel like we should say we go technical Early oh, doors. we do, we do. But that's okay. Verity was one sentence away from that glazed look she gets. <laughs> As I was listening back, I could hear it. I could hear it, but I stuck with it though, didn't I? You stuck with it. Yeah. You, you engaged and, and actually it was it was really interesting. But really just was. to, mainly for my mum, I say, mum, if you're listening, yeah. stick with this one. Yeah. Because it actually is, is really interesting. But we talk about like the differences between recorded and live music yeah. and how, how the musical has changed in the way it's been written, being influenced more by pop music and, and production techniques. Yeah. And then how that becomes the way that the show is written and performed 
inspired by production technique. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm blathering on, actually. Um, and, <laughs> um, did you see and, my eyes then? Yeah, I saw I'm you. Just I just fall asleep for a second. Just turned the corner. But like, let's just it sound con- boring. It's not. No, boring. it's not boring at all. And just to contextualise it, if we put it into context, so he talks about an early musical that he worked on, uh, which had the music of David Byrne, Fatboy Slim, and it was about Imelda Marcos. Come on, if the technical stuff doesn't draw you in instantly, surely that combo does. That's yeah. what got me. Great. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, we first met Theo yeah. when he was the musical director on Funny Girl oh. in the West End. And that's where me and Verity met as well. That's right. 2016. Yes, yeah. 2016. It was a right uh, jolly old time. Yeah, it was the time of our lives. Yeah. We spent many, many days uh, hanging out at the West End, going to meat market, I eating a lot of monkey that. fingers. So many. It's kind of synonymous, isn't it? It's tasty. like funny girl, monkey fingers. That's <laughs> yes. sort of, in my mind, it's just melded together in one sort of big, like greasy one bucket. Greasy, fatty mess. <laughs> yeah, we certainly lived life to the uh, to the full. Yeah. I, I think it's probably taken some time off of our lives in the long without run. Without doubt, without doubt, it has. Oh. But it was worth but it. But the music was good. The, yes, the show was, was good. Yeah. And it, was, it was a great, great time. Now, he's also done lots of other MDing, mm-hmm. musical directing, things like The Wild Party, High Society, Here Lives, Here, Here Lies Love. I love ourselves. <laughs> Here Lies Love and Treasure <laughs> Island. And putting it together. I'm reading off a, a biography off the website. Off, off couldn't the t- I couldn't tell, Seb. Don't worry, I couldn't tell. <laughs> mm, what else has he done here? Do everyone's talking about Jamie. Sorry, I was going to oh, say. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's it. The yeah, big yeah. one. Yeah. The big one. That's a big one. Everybody's talking about yeah. Jamie. He was the musical director of that for about a year mm. in the West End. And now he's the supervisor for that. With his scarf. Yeah. What else? He's won a prize for piano composition the john halford prize Mm. and he's won the 2019 styles and drew prize for best new song well that's tremendous that's really good yeah and i can believe it he's a fantastic composer and songwriter really epic stuff so yeah after this podcast click on the link and go and listen to you.me because it's so good it's really good yeah it's just to tell you, it's ba- basically, it's a COVID-themed musical, mm. which is kind of why it had to be done so quickly. But it really captures a very intense and topical moment in time, but told through the filter of a love story. Yes. Uh, but it's brilliantly done. Um, and, well, check it out in the description uh, and listen to that. Mm. And I uh, hope you enjoy it. And, uh, oh, I, I must also say, yeah, I, I was experimenting with some different microphone settings. Oh, you fancy pants. One. Did it work? Namely, turning the gain up a little bit mm. higher. And um, no, it was too high. Oh. So I've done, <laughs> I've done everything I can. But there might be times when, when some of us are laughing loudly where it does <laughs> slightly distort. Naming no names. No names. But no, no, no. But right. Theo's also got a loud voice too. Yeah. So yeah, okay, good, good. <clears throat> but, good. but but you like sorry <laughs> for your ears. I've done everything I can. I don't know what else I can do. Oh. Uh, but thanks again to those those fine people at Isotope. <laughs> Isotope. 
thanks for fixing our podcast once again yeah if you want to give us some sponsorship that'd go be on. great go on, some money off right uh let's go into the show yes this is theo jameson like as a modern man you've probably been on quite a few podcasts have you Theo? I actually haven't I've done some little radio interview things yeah. but never an actual official podcast. Oh really? Yeah never yeah. a long form associative <laughs> conversation. Well that's it you, you, you know what the brief is then. Yeah yeah don't do research you know what, know well, what you it is. You guys have got a plan you're gonna make me say something up really terrible. I've got this. <laughs> the roadmap. I'm just gonna let you have a look <clears> and then I'm gonna turn it what? back. You didn't do it in list form you did it in a sort of spider diagram. Well I used to do it in list form and then I was on the train and Seb got his notebook out and it had a spider diagram and I felt really jealous. Wow. So now I do that. <laughs> I've got back to a list form now. <laughs> yeah. Is it because you don't like being copied? That's I it. That. I it made you angry. Well, because the spider diagram, you've got to make decisions about, oh, this feels like a top left kind of topic. Oh, that feels like a bottom. Right. Whereas a list, you're just like, yeah, list it all down. <laughs> Do you know what? I think this, this sums up content? our two, two different so personalities so so perfectly because you thought about that. Mine is just like, I saw make something. a line, write a word. And I think that sums us up very well there. That's why this, this thing works. Does it work? Is that your brown case? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. I was like, is that mine? <laughs> yeah. Just found this in what the cupboard. That? I wonder... <laughs> I yeah, that nice. Hey, how was Chichester? We, is this part of the podcast now? Oh my I god! I don't want to oh waste the good stuff. Oh, oh no! Don't worry. We yeah. can use it. I mean, we're switching. We've been recording since so. the beginning. Oh, to be since you came in the fire. Yeah, totally. But I missed the bit when you were letting us in the building because that that would have been that good. Was like, that we could do that again it. afterwards. We could just stage that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like yeah, that. Yeah. Well, we've done twenty minutes so far, so we've just got to do another five minutes to move. Okay, done. Okay, cool. All the content. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Actually, how was Chichester? Uh, Chichester was um, was incredibly fun. It was um, it was the first like real peopley gig I've done back yeah. since the pandemic. So I mean, it was basically like quite an enormous razz. We were we were outside for four days doing these concerts to the to the people of Chichester in the park. Oh, nice! And um, uh, five musicians, five uh, singers. And we were all in the Chichester house together. We basically did the concerts and went to the beach. They brunch and oh, were generally terrible people. <laughs> yeah. What were you playing? It was like a mixture of musical theatre and pop stuff. So like we ended with, you know, Big Medley with Don't You Worry About a Thing and Sir Duke and yes. Malgero, a thing called Roof Garden. Oh, good. Um, and then we also had stuff like Piece of Sky from Yentl. Oh, we did like a Jacob Collier cover to open the show. Did you? Just to, re- just to really set the tone for yeah. everyone. Say <laughs> so this is, isn't your ordinary summer concert. We did because he, um, he did this great cover of Here Comes the Sun. Mm. And yeah. we sort of tried to work out like a live version we could do with the band and five singers. So it was oh, really yeah. varied. It was cool. We did like Life on Mars by Bowie. So I love it was, it. It was meant to be kind of like somewhere in between like a musical theatre concert and like a tiny desk sort of concert, yes. but outside and in Chichester. Yeah. Great. What's your demographic Ambitious. of the audience there? It's, uh, they are quite a lot of sort of older people in Chichester, definitely, but there were families coming to see oh, it. Okay. And sort of, and everyone brought out their chairs and sat in their little areas. Aww. It was very festive. It was very fun. Lovely. Mm. I was thinking about the Jacob Collier cover and then the, the response after which is why I asked you that <laughs> yeah. like slow confused the slow confused okay. <laughs> we regret <laughs> yeah. um, no I think it, generally it was um, 
No, it was interesting. It was, I, and the response was was super nice. And mm. it was like a lot of the um, concerts had the, a lot of these songs were either about being outside or sun and stuff like that, which is a risky strategy in England. <laughs> but yeah. It was good weather. It was, it right. was great. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, we all got sunburned. It was cool. Perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Um, Jacob Collier, was that, is that quite a really actually difficult arrangement to work out? Yeah. So it's like with his stuff, I mean, it sounds very, it can sound very live and full of kind of organic energy. Yeah. But it's so heavily multi-tracked. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And so that's yeah. like... Kind of and so, and so, but not in ways that you would necessarily always perceive. Like it sounds actually like sort of, you could sort of imagine it was just a sort of noodling kind of guitar part, but actually it's like 10 guitar parts stacked. And it makes, it actually, I think it actually makes it sound more organic. It just makes it sound like a very rich kind of alive instrument. But the truth yeah. is the actual amount of notes and different sort of contrapuntal things happening is like quite extraordinary. And so sort of making that work live is like, it's a relatively sort of big arranging task actually. And then for the singers, it's like, I don't know if like you guys have watched his logic session breakdown. Yeah, absolutely. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So amazing. But they'll, but they'll be like, some of the chords will have literally 150, you, you know, like voices on top of each other. Yeah. And that's maybe like 20 actual discrete sort of notes sort of stacked on top of each other. And then like he's doing all these different um, sort of coloristic things. So one will be like, eh, and one will be like, eh, and, like he'll be doing yeah. some just different sounds yeah. and that's how he makes it. And we weren't doing it with any track or anything like that. So it was like, what's the version of this that would like sort of have the same gestural effect that would sound like what he's doing, but which would work with five singers in a five piece band yeah. in a quite, I'm not gonna say like uncontrolled live environment, but you know what those gigs are like, we're not on in ears or anything like that. And so the singers, it's like, what kind of chord could they make that would sound like that without them like having super finessed hearing? Do you know what yeah, I mean? They're going yeah. off like a wedge in front of them. Does yeah. that make sense? It yeah. totally does, yeah. yeah. So bring the kind of essence of it. Exactly, without, you're reducing it down. Right, without worrying, oh, what's the, what's the microtonality going on here? Like, exactly, yeah. Which is actually something that happens in musicals all the time. Because obviously like the blueprint for how music is made live versus how you make it in recording is so different. Yeah, yeah. I think this is like a challenge that's happening like more and more and has kind of been a through line through some of the shows that I've done is like, how do you make live experiences sort of reference the record in a kind of more three-dimensional way? How do you make recorded sort of mixed sound design actually happen live in a way? Because it's yes. a very different thing, like the control you have over how a kick drum sits in the mix when you're mixing something basically, as opposed to like live players interacting with each other and sort of a live mixed thing. Yeah. And so with like Jamie, a lot of that stuff, there are some track elements in Jamie, but it's like, you're basically doing something slightly more bandy than the album. Yeah. And then one of the early shows I did was, was the show Here Lies Love, which was, um, was David Byrne and Fatboy Slim. And that was all track. So that was all, they were incredibly elaborate tracks. And because... What was that show? So that was a disco musical about the life of Imelda Marcos. Oh my God, there's, you, you've said so many things in there. <laughs> David Byrne, Fatboy Slim, yeah. Imelda Marcos. Yeah. Whew. Yes, it was wow. It was really How crazy. Was it? It, was, um, it was really, really fascinating. I mean, basically, I think the story is that Imelda Marcos was like a huge party animal as well as being a sort of political figure. And like in her flat, in New York City, she had like a disco ball and she was always going to like Studio 54. Yeah. Yeah, and so basically they made it originally as an album 
with a lot of kind of guest artists singing the song, then they boiled that down into a theatrical show because of what Fatboy Slim's music is like. Like Fatboy Slim, his music is not really going to sound the same live. No, Do you know what I mean? Like totally. it's, it's all about slightly unrealistic proportions. Do you know what I mean? Like a shaker that is unnaturally loud. Whereas, yeah. and then maybe like the bass is actually doing something is like quieter and then it would end up loud, like in working in a yeah. live mix. And it's about those kind of like weird unevennesses which often make, give it, it's like specific or like a super loud ukulele and then like a yeah. giant kick drum, which are not things that could in a live environment like really coexist in that way. Yeah, totally. If that makes sense. I mean, you can do it sort of with mixing to an extent, but they tend not to behave themselves so well as if you're doing it in kind of, a door or something like that. Yeah. So that was really cool. And a lot of the energy on that went into sound design. It had an incredibly elaborate speaker setup. Yeah. Like, I think there's something like 150 discrete speakers in the Dorfman, which is like not a big theater. Oh, right. And so the sound was incredible for it. And you got this, and those tracks also, they would have things like really processed EDM drum machines basically happening with pre-recorded orchestra right. and like sort of fat boy slim percussion samples, all this stuff like going at the same time. So yeah. you have this like very, very rich musical experience and this level of detail, which you could hear because it was so controlled and, you yeah. know, in the mix that would be very, very hard to replicate with everything being performed live. So did you have, but you had live musicians there as well? What we had was singers. So oh, basically, singers, yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah. we, all the singing was done live. Yeah. Um, and it was a, it was mostly ensemble singing. It was a cast of, tw I think about 20 people and a lot of sort of close harmony stuff in there. There was a DJ in the corner who was supposedly like playing the tracks, but who was like part of the sort of theatricalness oh, of the yeah, show. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the thing which was the live element was the singing. So that was how that worked. God, that sounds cool. Yeah. That show, you, your source material is is original music by then, was it? Or was it written for that? It or was written for the It was written show. for that yeah. show. And I think their process was they made it as a concept <clears throat> album, but I think always right. in their mind that it was going to be some kind of theatrical piece. Yes. And then they put it together with a director called Alex Timbers. It's a really... That's Love oh, the sound of Kingsland Road. Yeah. <laughs> Stop telling people my address. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's a long road, that, the A21. I'll put it in the show notes, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> off, I mean, most musicals would mm. start off as, you know, originally like sheet music or, yeah. you know, songs, and then it would become a show. And then, you know, so it's in the latter half of this 20th century, that yeah. rec recordings, cast recordings, and then that becomes one medium of it, listen mm -hmm. to it. Whereas like something like Fatboy Slim, he's probably starting from more of a recorded thing mm -hmm. and then transferring it to the stage. Yeah. And then then maybe it develops within that and then gets recorded again or something. I don't know. Or That's um that's accurate. And it is um but it is changing, I think. Like actually if you think about I mean, Here Lies Love is an example. Everybody's talking about Jamie, Hamilton, Six. These are all shows which had a concept album mm. yeah do you know what I mean? like and where they where there was this energy went early on into like what is the sound identity yeah. of this show rather than i mean i think they all had a story that they wanted to tell but actually like at the point of conception it wasn't like here's someone playing on the piano and then later i wonder what this show will sound like yeah. it's actually like the identity of this show like in a sort of more essential way is going to be the sound. Yeah. Does that come from the sort of Andrew Lloyd Webber? I couldn't even say his name mm. there. Andrew. Uh, and, Andrew. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, when he did things like like um, like Cats, wasn't that a concept album? Or, or yeah, Avita, and Avita I think JCS and Avita. Yeah, yeah they yeah. were these huge. Yeah, yeah these huge albums first. 
to get the public, get them to know the songs, release it, release them as singles, yeah. and then launch the actual show. And yeah, then... I think that definitely is a really early example of it. I don't know, you'd have to sort of ask the individual writers like how much they were going like, oh, that's the way that we want to do it. <laughs> Hackney. Um, but I think with a lot of those shows, I don't think it's an accident that they're shows that are interested in pop music. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, um, and pop music, if you just think about how pop music is made, it's far more made in the studio. It's like written in the studio and it's written on the sounds, which are going to become part and parcel yeah. of like yeah. the song. So there is no like uptown funk without those particular like horn sounds and that drum beat. You know, yeah, like, yeah. It's not like, oh, there's the, just the lead sheet for exactly. uptown funk. Do any instrumentation you like. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's like, it comes out of those sounds. It would have inspired the producer. The exactly. Place. And that's also what you listen to. That's like part of what makes it sort of special and addictive are the sounds of it. So it's not like, it's not like just coloring in a thing and the image is what's important. It's like that is the song. That yeah, is yeah. the song. Yes. And so I think that's a way that people have been making music now in sort of in sort of popular sphere for i don't know 40 50 maybe you know beatles probably beyond that you know yeah. like and so people who come from that world um are going to use that way of creating music you know actually the point of composition mm. and like hamilton started as like the hamilton mixtape yeah that was yeah. the original concept for it i think there again it was always, it was like pointing in a in a sort of theatrical direction because of sort of Lin-Manuel Miranda's sort of taste of what he was doing. But initially, like, there was a point where I think it was the first port of call was just make the album, like, just make the album. And then, like, quite quickly they realised it was going to be this theatrical thing mm. as well. You've, yeah. worked, you've worked that way, haven't you? Because I know with the tracks that I was recording mm. for you last year, did you have a show in mind or were you thinking of that as individual With that stuff, concept? I mean, I think with that stuff, I mean, part of, like, this year and, like, the weird accent of having all, all this weird free time mm. was that I end up being like way looser in how I was you know what I was shooting for like way less yeah. tactical like what is this going to be which is not something I've done that much like since college I've always been like quite like make a plan execute the plan if that yeah, makes yeah. sense and I was that's not how I worked at all in college you just like play around like in in the sandbox do you know yeah. what I mean you yeah. sort of led a bit by the materials or like led by process and so yeah. like a lot of that stuff just came out of like I was suddenly getting really interested in these other ways of making music and actually just seeing what it would come up with rather than like I'm going to come up with the exact shape I want it to be in my head and then just try and create that actually just try and listen to what I was making see where that pushed me if that yeah, makes sense totally yeah so did you have something that was like a linchpin to it all in the centre that you were aiming at? Or were you thinking, <laughs> just, I'm going to put these individual tracks? Yeah, in? I guess, I mean, this this sounds so vague. For those those tracks, which were kind of like just a load of music that I wrote during lockdown, basically, they didn't, they didn't have like a plot or a particular concept. They probably right. had like some kind of shared like emotional energy or like these sound like they're in the same world as each other somehow. Yeah. Um, but I'm quite, yeah, I'm quite interested in that approach actually coming at it. I mean, I do the other approach as well, where it's much more like, what is this music about? What does the music have mm. to be like? But actually being, again, just being led by by the material, letting it knock you around a bit and seeing where it pushes you, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I try to think how many you got down. There are quite a few, aren't they? That There's maybe like six or seven now total of that. Of that. I mean, they're, they're, they're all in sort of various different stages of completion. Yeah, yeah, and now we have started, I've sort of started putting together with the director and I like, trying to think oh, what kind of form you? they would take theatrically. Yeah. Is this Love um, Child? Is it that one? No, this is no, this is a show that's actually, for, at the moment it's called Rewatch. Rewatch. Um, and it's, uh, 
Yeah, again, it's like it's so hard to talk about this without just like saying a load of words which just mean nothing, but it's like <laughs> sort of vague. Well, why don't you say yeah. some words and we'll piece them together oh, yeah. how we would like to piece <laughs> them together. Yeah, great. That? Love that. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's like a sort of, I don't know, it's, a, it's turning into a kind of like darkly emotional sci-fi song cycle at the moment. So, wow. Right. So that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of what, what that is at the moment. And... Um, Sci-fi song cycle. That is a new genre, isn't it? Nice. Definitely, yeah. I like it. <laughs> I made up a new genre. But they're big, like the scale. I, yeah. We were talking about this before we came oh, to see you. Sorry. sorry. I just, just, I just nearly dropped my coffee. <laughs> it seems to me that you think on a large scale with these things, even with sort of smaller orchestrations, that yeah. they feel like quite epic and symphonic in the yeah. sound. It's amazing. I mean, do you find it harder trying to bring down ideas to smaller forces or definitely yeah. definitely that is um that has always been my tendency and always like unfortunately and also like my it's like my taste as a listener ends up like this as well i mean so the obvious references and stuff like obviously classical music is where you usually go to in your head to think about like bigger forms or sort of things which are more like which have bigger structural payoffs i guess yeah but like i think it's also interesting to think about it with musicals like the stuff that would like get me going in musicals you know so there's i don't know if you guys like know a little night music i love that so like the stuff that would like get me really jazzed in that would not be like the i mean i, I love them very much but like it would not be like the the capital s songs yeah, i would yeah, like yeah. i would sort of admire no i mean it's not fair to say i admire them because that makes it sound sort of cold i really did love them but the stuff that i would like play on a loop would be like now later soon oh, yeah. which is this like which is the first 10 minutes of it basically which is this family they each have a song and then all the songs kind of smash in on each other and i would get like a real kick from like big structural payoffs like that you were studying composition and piano weren't you at college and at what point did you think did music theater sort of appeal to you or writing yeah i've, I've always been really really into musicals um really really into them i've always found them like incredibly moving and exciting mm. i um did my undergraduate i did the first year of my undergraduate at goldsmiths and then i moved to trinity college of music uh for the second year of it i moved to i was doing a sort of general music degree at goldsmiths yeah and then i moved on to composition course at trinity Ah, oh, sorry i thought piano as well so i was studying piano yeah. as well but my degree was in composition mm. so i had a piano teacher while i was at trinity and i ended up doing a lot of playing yeah um, i ended up because we should say you are a phenomenal pianist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jolly good. Okay. Jolly good. Yeah. <laughs> I was in quite an unusual position because I had not actually gone through sort of formalized music education in my childhood and teenage years. Basically, yeah. I'd had piano lessons when I was sort of eight. And they were nice, but I was... I showed no real promise at it. I was, like, it was, I was like, I was quite like game and enthusiastic, but it wasn't like instant chemistry with the instrument at all. I wasn't, yeah, there was, there was no real like prodigiousness there, alas. But I um, basically, and then I, I was a long time, I was not sure what I was going to study. I ended up, I thought I was going to do film and actually did an, a year of studying visual art. Oh, did cool. Art foundation, which is what you do before you do an art degree, basically. And yeah. I thought I was going to do that. And then there was this year where I was going to do English and then I, and I changed my mind, I was going to do art and that felt wrong. And actually really on my art foundation, I'd end up doing these kind of like Steve Reich influenced like video art things where I'd written all the music and like got my mum to like multi-track bassoons on them. And wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh God, I think my music is <laughs> the thing which... 
It's like these epic like garage band recording sessions. My mum plays loads of instruments, so she would like laid out viola parts for me and stuff as well. Bassoon and viola parts. Yeah, exactly. Okay. There was a lot of tenor right. register right. in that, <laughs> in that <laughs> music. <laughs> Not a lot of top end. <laughs> um, yeah. She gets a French horn in there yeah, as exactly. well. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I wa- then decided I was going to try and change to music. And so I had this place of Goldsmiths where I was going to do fine art. And Goldsmiths, because they're... I hope that I hope they, this would be offensive to anyone who works at Goldsmiths, but they, I love it. They 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 have quite a loose attitude there, right? In the best way, like it's quite arty. Because I had, even though I hadn't come from doing a sort of more typical music education, yeah, they still considered me for the music course and sort of facilitated that transfer, um, which was really really great of them to do that. And I think would not necessarily have been a possibility at a lot of other places, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And I had a really good year at Goldsmith, but I think by it, for just a straight music degree, you end up doing, do like a sampler pack of like, of all the things you can do music. So you do musicology, mm-hmm. you do instrumental stuff, you do composition and you sort of do sort of bits of teaching qualifications. And I really was like, I just want to do music in a practical way. Like I yeah. don't want to talk about music. <laughs> I like, I just want to write music and learn how to do music and play music. Um, so then when I went to Trinity, I was, like, just absolutely uh, ready to, like, feast. Yes. <laughs> I was, because I think because I had that thing of, like, because music was, like, never an obligation for me as a teenager. It was never, like, on Saturday morning I get driven to do, like, or- orchestra or something like that. Or I was never, like, being forced to practice. I was, like very very like dewy-eyed and like excited to just be meeting music if you know what I mean so I was just up for anything basically and uh (laughs) so I was on the composition course and I was you know that was like my home was just like sitting in a practice room writing stuff but then also I was accompanying singers I was accompanying classical singers and I was accompanying I was playing musical theater rehearsals and in a barbershop quartet. Was it a barbershop <laughs> quartet? No, oh. <laughs> yeah. Alas. Recorder on Alas. song. Actually, no, I did do one barbershop quartet for one arranging thing. I did a barbershop arrangement of What a Fool Believes by the Duke oh. of Brothers. Oh, nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, which was something the, the world's in no way required. <laughs> Got a recording? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah so basically I just end up playing loads of different kinds of music basically mm. end up you know with musical theatre singing I end up doing a lot of sort of pop music as well musical theatre stuff and then I was also playing like Strauss songs or playing like Thomas Adders for people yeah. like it was incredibly like varied and and I think for a while I sort of put off actually writing musical theatre stuff because I just wasn't it was something that I'd always paid attention to, but I was like just getting so interested in other kinds of music. I was just following what particular thing like grabbed me at that moment, yeah. you know, and if that meant like getting really into, I don't know, like Ligeti one week, it was like sort of writing stuff that I would never, I don't think it was ever like trying to do that, but just like trying to absorb like different kinds of things. Or one week I'd get like really into big band stuff and i just sort of see what happened if I like put that through my filter or stuff like that and there was a point like quite after about a year and a half I thought like well I'm mainly into vocal music actually now like my listening is really like closing in and that that is that has been a theme that like basically it's song that 
like principally gets me going words and music happening yeah. at the same time and in every form that that can take but that's basically like the most affecting and sort of like powerful kind of music for me yeah that's when I sort of started writing songs and that became more and more a part of what I did as I went through Trinity were you working as lyricist as well you were writing yeah and do you still now you do the full yeah I do everything yeah yes. yeah that's never changed I mean occasionally I've set other people's text but that's basically what that's yeah. basically what I do is uh, compose a lyricist. Yeah. Yes. Well, I read in an interview you gave for for you dot me, saying that you you do the words and music simultaneously. Yeah. It's it all just comes at once. Like. It, yeah, yeah, that's that's how it works for me. I mean, partly because of the kind of things that I write, they're not. I mean, occasionally, like in you dot me, there are like a couple of moments I think you could like legitimately call songs. But a lot of it isn't like that. It's like kind of song-ish energy, kind of like following yeah. the drama or following the character in that moment. Um, and so I think when you write like a song where it's... A song for me is usually defined by a certain kind of structure. They're like amazing structures that work very well, but they're basically like, you know, A, B, A, A, C, A, B. You know, like yeah. they're just like, you know what those are. And they're incredibly effective. And I think they're really worth doing um and for that when i write like that kind of thing then i might get to the end of the music first like i know this is how the verse goes this is how the chorus goes um and then it's just i have to make the words fit that yeah. when i'm writing stuff where i'm more following the drama or the energy they tend not to get too far out ahead of the other because it's usually like what do i need to happen now and that can uh, mean, yeah yeah and that can mean like what do i need to happen now in terms of plot like do i need someone to find out something or change their mind about something or do i need something to happen in terms of energy where do i need the energy to go to do i need like things to get more dense and intense do i need things to sort of suddenly empty out and then yeah they're all kind of the same like to me like all the elements, like words, melody, harmony, rhythm, timbre, they're all basically participating in the same thing and each yeah. one can affect the other one. You know what I mean? So like a word, if you suddenly make a, a sort of timbral choice on a certain word or a certain moment, that drastically changes the meaning of that word. And if you use a whole sequence of words with like a certain vowel shape or a load of like T's or K's or something like that, that's going to hugely affect what the music feels like as well, as opposed to if people are doing like sort of longer open vowel based stuff, if that makes yeah. sense. So like mm. they're actually all part of the same toolkit, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Does it tend to come quite quickly that like the, the kind of the first thought you have when you're trying to come up with a bit of music, does it tend to be actually then what you would go with or do, do you try and think of it like, let's think of two or three the ideas for this? Yeah. Or, or does it tend to be the first thing is the one you go with? I think I tend not to start writing until I have something that feels like it could be it, if you know what I mean. So yeah. there'll be like an exploratory phase where you're trying to like work out what the particular atmosphere or what the gesture is. But then once I have that, I'll just go with it. I don't know. I'm, sli I'm slightly overgeneralizing. That isn't always the case. That is actually what I've been doing recently because I've been doing very, very tight deadlines. This is yeah. So yeah. This, this is one of the things that characterized You Don't Me. So yeah. You Don't Me was this like this radio musical I did for the BBC World Service. And I got called about that at the beginning of December last year. Mm -hmm. um, and then basically started writing it 28th of December and we were in the studio in March. So that meant Oof. writing 53 minutes of music and lyrics basically in seven weeks. Wow. <laughs> Which was it's incredible. It was yeah. absolutely insane. It was absolutely insane. And, I, and, and that was also because of the recording schedule because we were going to have the BBC Philharmonic playing in it. That um, also meant developing the orchestrations in tandem with that. 
So I orchestrated with a guy called Callum Ow. Do you yeah. know Callum? Yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing guy. And we um, we would sort of pass charts back and forth as we were going. And also we would, because the orchestra had to record for the rhythm section parts, as soon as the song was sort of done-ish, the, you know, the logic file would go to like Joe Evans or something and he'd send me back the drum track, which, you know, we kind of work on together. And that was all happening while we were writing the songs. Everything happened simultaneous, basically. So you were just like completely absorbed in this. I was completely that, like, your absorbed, life. yes. Yeah, yeah it's, taken, it's taken years off my life. Sure. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, in that, because you, because of that time frame, the first, I, the idea that, is going to work for that moment. You don't have time to go like, I wonder if there's like, a, <laughs> I wonder what, I try four other, you do, you lose that exploratory thing a little bit. Yeah. You're like, this is it. This is going to work. This is going to give me what I need here. I'm going with that. I'm running with it. Because you just don't have time. You just don't have time. And is I, this it, the first time you've worked in that sort of a way? At that pace, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have. I mean, I've, I haven't had to work fast in the past, but I think what, I wasn't allowed to do is I wasn't allowed to have that thing where you spend like a week going, hmm, what is this? What could this be? <laughs> you sort of don't, you don't get, you sort of like, you can't look down. Yeah. You just have to get, I mean, it's kind of great. I mean, I have the idea, like, maybe you sort of listen to it and go like, hey, you should have taken a bit more time over that. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but like there's something very fun about like um, being really connected to the initial impulse somehow. I mean, yeah. I think you can like, you can really easily mess stuff up by taking too long over it as well. And that's like a really natural thing to happen, which you can kill something. You can forget actually what the initial spark was. You can get kind of obsessed with a formal thing or something like that. And then you pick it up and actually the thing is a bit limp somehow or you're like I can't remember why I made these choices yeah that's not to say it always is going to happen that way but there's a risk in the other direction as well I think there's always risk there's not like a sort of straight way to do everything and it was I mean actually weirdly obviously now having done that for four months I'm like what I want to do is you know like go live in a cabin somewhere and be like <laughs> and I just, just like just try every option yeah. and just poke around and not really do any work and like grow a beard good luck with that <laughs> I grew a lockdown moustache oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah my family didn't like it oh, yeah. um, it's really great I really liked it the, the show Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's really nice. I, there's not really a question attached to that, but uh, well done for doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's amazing. I originally heard a the first song. I think that got shared around or something. Yeah, we put that out earlier. Yeah. Because then I didn't realise that the whole thing had been released, so then I listened to that last week. and uh, But it, immediately there's there's like catchy hooks to it, especially the, like the first song. Mm. And, um, and I, I really loved, uh, I was listening again today to the um, the Life in Lockdown, that song. Is that like oh, the second yeah. song, is it? Yes, that's the yeah, other it's got such a great. It's, I, I was thinking like it, it could become a real song people listen back to, type to, to sort of remind themselves of the great times. But there's a lot of story going on, as you said. Like there's a lot of yeah. plot woven into mm. it. So maybe it wouldn't. You wouldn't do that. But but it works in the context of the show really well. But but like I love that the jazz infused kind of yeah. score. Is that did that come? Was that a collaboration between you and Callum? That that sort of stuff or. That one, Callum did a lot of great stuff on that one. That was Callum's chart. It sounded like Callum. A yeah. lot of lovely flutes and yeah. sort of shimmery. I tend to, like, I often, one of the ways that I find I work is I come up with like a, I probably should, like, shouldn't begin this by just like hideously disparaging my, like, my creative work. But like, I'll come up with a sort of like, 
a conceptual thing for what I want the moment to be or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. that'll end up being kind of the compass for it. So like really like the the last song is basically like a Wagnerian fantasy, but with like sort of almost like Alanis Morissette style, like chatty nineties <laughs> melodies. Yes. And that was like very much my conceptions. I like have like really sort of contemporary kind of vocal line, but with like quite, you know, late 19th century harmony. And I was like, yeah. oh, I thought that'd be quite an interesting <laughs> collision. Yeah. And a lot of them was all like, so with that one, we had this note, it's in quite a lot of space in the vocal line, and it's gonna be sort of surrounded by this like Kamazi Washington sort mm. of chaos, like yeah. this kind of big like festival of, <laughs> you, you know, sort of big bandy stuff. Um, and that is obviously like right in the middle of like what like one of the things that Callum can do extraordinarily well. So that one actually, there was that one he got like almost just like a lead sheet, you know, and that like a truly terrible thing of me like kind of jamming it at the piano. <laughs> and um, and that was another one where actually like with the rhythm section, it was like this thing of like wanting it to sound like very alive and kind of improvi improvisatory in that way. Yeah. And actually doing that stuff, like giving that over to other people in that way is not something which like I, I naturally do. I'm like a very like control freaky. But that was, and that was another the cool thing about this project is because there was all this, because I didn't have time, I would just like not question. I'd be like, I'm just going to send this out to them and like let them do their thing on this track and then curate it afterwards and let that yeah. be like, let's yeah. try that and let's see what it yields. Yeah, how did you find it? Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not like, right. Cal, like Callum and, so Callum and Joe were kind of like big driving force on that track because obviously Joe's drum part was like, mm. so it came from him and how he was just going to interact with it and play with that. And then Callum would come up with a lot of the, you know, figures and stuff like that as well. So it was awesome. Like it was, and also it's like, you know, which artists are going to, play or arrange stuff really well like so what's going to suit them is stuff like that and like that they're both like i mean actually they, they can both do like they can both do almost anything actually um but i also knew that like it would appeal to like their quite specific kind of nerdery you know yeah. everyone's got their specific mm, things that they're definitely. like obsessed with yeah, yeah. that's great to tell because obviously you, you could have done all that stuff yourself you could have arranged and orchestrated and all that right but it's it's nice to then trust the people and just hand it off and then just let you focus on all totally, the uh, yeah. massive amount of stuff you've got to do yourself. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And it also depends what, to me, it's also about like what you want the music to sound like. So you were talking about like the, the music and the lyrics coming together at the same time. Now with you.me, yeah. you've got the visuals as well. But obviously as a... It works as a standalone piece on the radio. I read it, radio or podcasts. Yeah. And then... But then also you've got the visual element of it. Where does that fit in the mix for you? Well, that that was actually, the task for me was purely audio. Like mm. that's how I came on to do it. And that's how it was sort of pitched to me. Yeah. And then basically halfway through the progress, the guy who was um, producing it and co-writing the book with me, um, Simon Pitts, basically, um, just basically, I think it felt one day was like, this should have an animation to it. <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah, like, this should right. have an animation. And like in the spirit of doing things with absolutely not enough time, he's like, let's see if they can do it in like seven weeks. Let's see if they can make this. Uh, <laughs> I was just like, absolutely. Um, yeah, the house style on it. And so, um, and so, yeah. And so he just decided that would be a cool thing to do. And actually I think it's good. I mean, there's lots of different ways that you can interact with them. I and mean, you can listen to it on Spotify now without like the narration and you can listen to it like, just straight with the narration and you can listen to it with the animation as well. I think they're all like quite different experiences. I mean, one of the good thing about the animation is that, I don't know, I mean, radio is like a new thing for me and like listen, and also I don't really listen to like fiction 
Um, do yeah. you know what I mean? Like I don't listen to audio books really, and I and I don't really listen to radio plays. Not for any particular reason. It's just not something that ever like became part of my life. But I think one thing that's really helpful about actually having a visual thing is for for other people for whom that's true. They've got like a focus. They've yeah, got something totally. to like. They've got a way to sit down and actually like be present. This thing around. They're like, what am I going to do? Am I just going to like lie on the sofa and just listen to stuff? <laughs> yeah, or something like that. I always so, need to yeah. be doing something else, like yeah. driving a car. Yeah. Or, yes. um, so I would chat to Ben Marshall. He's oh, like, yeah, exactly. I, I, when I do my reads, making <laughs> making reads. That's when he listens to podcasts and stuff. Yeah, exactly. When I'm doing my cello practice. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a test match special or something. Yeah. Uh, but the, no, the animations are beautiful. They're really well because yeah, cool. I guess the first time I saw. I was watching the, the the animation, so it kind of is sort of intrinsically linked in my mind now. Yeah, the yeah. Two things. I think they're really nice, and they're very musical, actually. Yeah. Like, so that if there's like, and I can't, yeah, I can't take any credit for that at all. Like, they, this was sort of Simon working with the animator. So like, if there was whooshes in the music, then they were kind of to say like big textual changes. The animation would absorb those in a really kind of sensitive or dynamic yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's always a bit, a bit of a dance to it. The, the movement is exactly. very organic and. Yeah. Works very nicely. What's going to happen with this now? Because it's amazing. Is it? Is there any plan for well, it? Well, I've, be... no, I've no idea. I mean, I when I when I wrote it, um, I mean, I was like literally just shooting for that premiere day, yeah. and also because of what it's about, like yeah, it's quite time specific. I, exactly. I was it? like, <laughs> this is going to have like a shelf life of the exact amount of time it takes to air it. Basically, it was like what. I was doing. <laughs> but I um, but it's I actually don't. Know. I mean, it's it's on all these. What's it's very funny beam, to me, it? and it's 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 on like red button. It's like round. It's now like round the world, and like occasionally just get like random tweets of someone <laughs> like somewhere in India who's suddenly like listening to it. It's because the BBC World Service, so it's like yeah. and it's on American radio stations. And it, it, what is is funny to me about it is like it's such a. I never got a note which was like this music is like out of control or something like that. It was like, it was like, like just calm your shit down. Like I never, never got anything like that basically, um, which was really cool. But also I listened to this, I'm like, I find this very idea of like this, of people just suddenly meeting this somewhere. I think a lot of people would be quite freaked out by it. Like just, it's quite sort of over the top sort of extravagant thing. I love right. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, don't, I mean, it's basically just like living there and sort of just reaching people oddly that way, I think. I mean, we sort of talked about like trying to push for some kind of, stage life for it yeah. which um which would be awesome i mean like be, but my part of me thinks it's i designed it so everything came from sound like there's it doesn't require like it's specifically the things that people say and how they act is to mean that you like means that you never have to have scenery you yeah. never have to have something telling you where they are and actually basically where does it take place it actually takes place in the two brains of those characters do you know what i mean like yeah. that's actually the location really yeah yeah um so i don't know I mean, someone has an idea the pictures are better on the radio aren't they that's right that's like sort of yeah. a phrase isn't it or in books picture better in books yeah wait picture that's <laughs> the tv isn't it picture better on tv <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. it, I, I know they've got the animation is, is brilliant, but it is about it, it's also an element inside your. Yeah, you want to leave room like, for it to be like some way, like the missing part is like the listener. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like fill in the gaps, don't you? Exactly. Because we've all shared so many of the the aspects of, of the show, and that's why I thought it was like quite an interesting idea to do like what you know. Oh my god! I'm just saying the words COVID musical make me kind of <laughs> shiver. But like, um, COVID musical, yeah. COVID musician, oh COVID. composers COVID that are still composer. writing their COVID musical. They just haven't. Yeah, do it fast, it, guys. Yeah. No. Seven weeks, <laughs> bosh. <laughs> you did it. You got it out there. Yeah, really. But like that, because that's what 
you know, there's obviously like so many endlessly terrible ways this has affected people. But like, you know, one sort of less urgent but pretty awful one is just that how much we like end up just in our heads this yeah. year. Do you know what I mean? Like how much it's lived in our imagination the whole time? Because essentially, if you're just like in X amount of rooms every day and your window is basically your computer screen or your phone screen. Like it's all then happening in your brain. You're all like, I wonder what the, what's happening in the world? How are people feeling in the world? Like, I wonder what's going to happen next. Like you don't have that thing of going out and smashing into reality and having your ideas yeah. shaken up or something. So why it's easy to go quite mad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because like you're not running into people who are kind of looking at you like, eh? what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's easy. It's been easy to kind of swing from good things happening, good news when it has happened, mm. to just total doom and gloom. That's uh, totally it's been right. Easy to swing between those two things, there's not really that the mix of stuff that we used to have. Yeah, bumping into friends or just doing experiences. Well, that's part of why I always find it hard. Like, why do it? Like, why do it as a musical at all? But I was like, that felt like a really good reason to do it as a musical because mm. the because emotions are so like exuberant and you can change emotion very, very fast in a musical and somehow like the language of it gives permission for that. Like I would, you know, I'd be like absolute existential despair one morning and then like suddenly be like, oh, it's gonna be great. <laughs> like, it was only like, it was a sunny day. I was like, this is gonna be just fine. Yeah. And then it was raining. Exactly. I'm like, we're all doomed. <laughs> uh, and the, the, the singers um, and, and actors like in, in it, mm. fantastic. I mean, they- Oh, awesome. Really, I really like, yeah, I, lo- I mean, I- I feel I've seen Anushka Lucas around and lots of things. Yeah, so Anushka, I first met, she was doing Jesus Christ Superstar at the park. Oh, right, okay, yeah. And she did Mary as like, again, like kind of sort of like singer-songwriter-y thing. Oh, right, yeah. Um, And it was a really cool and unusual performance. And she's a writer as well. Mm. Um, Yeah, she's wonderful. And And then Martin, I knew... He was in Here Lies Love. He was the he was the DJ spinning the, the Fat Boy Slim tracks. Oh, oh, yeah. like, wheels within wheels. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, so and they were both they both have this thing which I really, really like, which is there's like just chatting and then there's sort of like speaky singing, and then like somewhere over here there's like either like Common Garden or like Whitney Houston, but like whatever you want to call it, like capital S singing. Mm. And I'm very interested in like those like colors that sort of in the middle of that, where people can like transform like speech and make it sound like music. Or like when you, they suddenly have like a longer phrase, which is much more like, you know, much more clearly like music led rather than like kind of emulating thought rhythms. They can still make that sound like life. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I tend to sort of favor more the like speechy thing, but I will have, these like expansive like long notes suddenly um and obviously like long notes there's no naturalistic analogy do you know what i mean like there's no there's a lot you know this is like a sondheim thing and like why i think sondheim is because people always talk about sondheim as being difficult right like people go oh it's very very hard to sing and i actually don't think it is hard to sing and i and i realize it because actually it's because it's so well constructed and because it's so kind of naturalistic, yeah. like because you go, you're going at the pace of thought, it's hard to learn. It's hard to like break that down and like understand. And once you've understood it, it unfolds in a way that's really natural and you don't have to make like big sort of abstract leaps in order to get it to live. Yeah. It lives very, very quickly. If you think about like the worst pies in London from Sweeney mm. Todd, yeah. like it's just life. It's just like life happening with, in music somehow. Yeah, And actually... And none of these things are sort of 
better or worse than each other, but they're like, they're different ways of like making song. If you think about like Roger and Hammerstein thing, where you suddenly have to go like, if I love, you do these yeah, like, yeah. if I like how do you make sense of that? Do you know, like yeah, totally. it's, it's not naturalistic at all. You're doing like an abstraction of life. Um, yeah, and so anyway, so like the people that I like, the people who can take, who can both make the more naturalistic things sound like really musical and really exciting in that way, but also take the more like expansive like lyric gestures and make those sound natural. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they both do that. I was going to ask you, so, okay, you were composing, playing piano, mm. all these things, uh, musical directing. How the dickens did that make it into the, <laughs> that old into the equation? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So you yeah. do rather a lot of that as I well. I do, yes. <laughs> I, um, it basically came out of... Um, well, so I, so I went to Trinity, as I said, and they were doing some composition and piano. And then I heard about this music direction course. I mean, there's this question, I think, initially in your mind, of like, how am I going to have food for myself to eat? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, like, I, I'm not, my, it's not my favorite thing to do instrumental teaching. Like, it's just not. Um, I've I've done about eight hours of it, and I and and everyone came out of that worse. <laughs> um, it, it was like yeah, um, and so I was like quite, and I yeah, so I was like I don't know what. I know I like music a whole lot, and uh, I'm very interested in doing it a lot. And I was like, I had no idea like how I'm gonna sort of make a living basically. And yeah. I sort of had this notion that I was gonna do the MD course and then basically like do, you know, there's loads of stuff you can do if you do that course. You can do rehearsal piano, you can do audition piano. You just like, yeah, there's a load of great skills you can get doing that stuff, all of which I actually like a lot. You know, I actually really love audition piano and it's kind of crazy way. It's like, it's very fun. Yeah. Um, so I did the MD course there and then basically just relatively quickly, I ended up doing uh, sort of more music direction-y things. So much based on like sort of happenstance really. Like you sort of do a gig here, you meet someone and they go, Ash, do you want to come and help with this thing? And then suddenly like by accident, you're music directing basically. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, yes, yeah, so I've, do I've been doing that for, you know, basically since I left college, which has been absolutely amazing. I feel like I've worked with so many just awesome people doing that stuff. And yeah. I know you're talking about us. Because that's how we first met. When I say so many, I mean two. Because yeah. Funny Girl must have come along quite early after. Yeah, Funny Girl was maybe. So I did, I graduated and then I did putting it together at what was the St. James Theatre, which was yeah. super fun. I was like, and then after that, then it was Here Lies Love, basically. And then it was High Society, The Old Vic. And then the next show after High Society was Funny Girl. Oh, wow. Yeah. Were you at the menu? Did you, now, hang on. Did you take over? You were Yeah, so I was like, I was associate at the menu. So I, yeah. but yeah, basically the plan was Alan, who was supervising it. Wonderful Alan. Alan, yeah. if you're Moment listening. For, Alan, Williams. Alan, Alan Williams. Alan Williams. Everyone. Um, Alan um, was going to conduct at the Chocolate Factory. But yeah. he... I think he already was going to do Aladdin by that point, so he couldn't conduct the run in the West End. Yeah. And Funny Girl, you know, they that was always the plan for it, basically, was to sort of, like, midwife it at the chocolate factory and then it would go to the Savoy. Um, and so, basically, needed someone to conduct the show in town. Yeah. Um, and so I, I 
was in rehearsals for it at the Chocolate Factory and then would conduct one a week at the Chocolate Factory. Um, and then I took it over when it came into, I took it over after press night when it went into the Savoy, basically. Yeah. Um, was that yeah. a weird change going from doing it in the tiny space at the menu to then going into the Savoy and, and you know, adding right. forces? Some yeah. might say, really improved that. Essential, like, essential. Yeah, it was horn and cello edition. Yes, yeah. it was a half, yeah, <laughs> half version of itself. <laughs> well, is it strange going into that new setting? You it? know what? I mean, it's obviously like got quite. It's sort of a lot of symbolic baggage, and you go, oh, the Savoy, the Savoy. <laughs> um, uh, which, uh, so you definitely feel that. But, I mean, what was it? I mean, I listened to you guys with Alan the other day. What, what did it go from? Was it like 11 to 14 or something? What did it go up to? Something, something like that, yeah. No, no one knows. It, no, they added three. Yeah. They added three, yeah, right. They added another violin. Yeah. Oh, another violin. They added cello and a horn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's cool. I mean, more people is definitely better for that kind of music, for sure. Like, so. I think there's a huge difference in sort of technique in terms of, you know, that. Um, and it was still a keys conduct and oh, yeah. you can't see the audience. So, <laughs> so it was quite a similar <laughs> kind of feeling. But um, I mean, it was I mean, it was very cool to be doing it at the Savoy Theatre. Yeah. The, the band was absolutely amazing for that show. Actually, yes, they happen for a lot of shows that I've done. I've always felt like incredibly lucky to be sort of playing with like absolute legends yeah. in the band well, really awesome so jamie now which is yeah. reopened now hasn't mm-hmm. it and you're supervising yeah. on yeah. that still I yes think. i yeah. am yeah Excellent. so what's that what does that mean you pop in and have a little cup no, of tea i'm with essential them. i <laughs> am essential <laughs> there's no swanning in <laughs> with the a big scarf can't around, run it? without me ah <laughs> 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 um, uh, so jamie yeah, it's quite, this is sort of quite typical thing that happened, which is basically Jamie was, <clears throat> I came onto it as musical director when it came into London. Mm. Um, and I conducted it for the first year of the show. I mean, with a new show, and we everyone knew that Jamie was really good. Like, but you just, it's sort of in in the hands of the gods, like whether a show is going to take or not. You just, you just have yeah, yeah, no yeah. idea. And so like, somewhere in the, within the first year, it felt like, wow, the show is actually really success and the show is going to keep going, which is amazing, which is, um, but I, so I, and I just, I conducted it and I, I loved it. Amazing band, amazing company, an amazing piece. But I think after a year, I was like, I don't know if that, that's just, you know, you just have to know how you want to spend your time, basically, and yeah. what kind of person you are. And actually, you know, by that point, I'd done it 350 times and it's just not something that I, you know, it's just not where I kind of naturally want to live is doing something that many times, no matter how good it is, actually. And Jamie is really good and really fun to conduct. So basically I, and because I, you know, had done the rehearsals and because I knew it really well, I stayed on basically to just look after it. And also because Jamie was going to start having replica productions happening, that we were going to have the tour. Oh, yeah. Um, the UK tour, and that we were going to have the production in Australia. It was like just some someone who would give it sort of, a sort of musical through line between all those things and kind of set them up. And so did you go out to Australia? Has that set up? Already? Well, we went out for auditions for 10 days. Yeah. Uh, at the end of 2019. Yeah. Um, and we cast the show. A really great cast. <laughs> um, but then, um, yeah, I don't know if you've been following this pandemic thing, but it's, <laughs> a lot of things got disrupted. And um, yeah, so... Um, Does that mean you get to go back out again now and... Is it on Zoom now? It's on yeah. Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I mean, the UK tour is going out. Good. Um, that did start, didn't it? The UK tour? It did start, yeah. 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 And it started again in town. The UK tour, I think we start rehearsals in two or three months for it. Right. So um, you'll go back in then and get them yeah. started. So it is all sort of gearing up again. And then it's just always like, it's just 
world events. We'll see what you know. See what yeah. happens for that stuff. Mm. And do you still conduct occasionally in town? Um, I, in theory, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still. Um, before we, before uh, the pandemic, I would probably go in maybe once every couple of months just by like an accident of who was available or who wasn't available. So I go in and conduct the show. Oh my God, the idea of doing it now, because I won't have conducted it for 18 months, is quite daunting. Um, maybe I should have a look at the score. Um, and, uh, um, but yeah, officially I'm still on the books as one of the things. But there are a few people yeah. who do it now. Um, actually, yeah. Yeah. And Richard Whedon is MDing. He's great. Yeah. So talking about interesting things that you've done in the past, as we're about to. Um, skins. Okay. <laughs> skins, oh God, my friend. Yeah. To bring it back to the DJ. Which, <laughs> yeah, Again, exactly. a, a further wheel within this wheel. A wheel within a wheel within a wheel, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Skins, you were on it, DJ. Tell yes. us how, why. <laughs> well, I was an actor back then, you know. Darling. I was, um, I, well, basically, so I grew up, um, uh, in Bristol, as you can tell from can my really robust from West Country <laughs> accent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, school was difficult for me, actually. Uh, so, um, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah. So I, and Skins is set in Bristol, and I was part of the Bristol Ovic Youth Theatre, Clang, um, yeah. and uh, did drama uh, A-level, another classic A-level. Uh, my my A-levels of drama, film, media, philosophy. So I didn't do one it's real subject. It's amazing you're not a brain surgeon. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Bert. Yeah, cool. That's great. Um, um, and basically just anyone in Bristol who, who was a teenager and had even a sort of peripheral association with drama auditioned for Skins. And I remember the auditions. <laughs> I never get bored of telling this story. Classic story. <laughs> Uh, my mythology. Um, it's like uh, we auditioned at Oceana, the club, oh, yeah. God, in the yeah. day. <laughs> and you just went in and you sort of, everyone read the same scene. And then if they thought you like might be a part or something, they're just like, you should be this. And they were like, do you want to read for this posh DJ? <laughs> I was like, yep, I'll definitely do that. Um, and uh, what can I say? I booked the gig. It was, it was, it was not a stretch for me playing an enthusiastic Can you do the line? Film. Please, <laughs> please, can you do the line? Just play the YouTube. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'll do the line, and then you can edit in the YouTube clip. There's no way. I want to hear it. I live. don't think we're even allowed to do that on yeah. this podcast. I did try and find it on YouTube. Maybe I'm not searching Somewhere for the we'll right thing. Somewhere we'll have to look harder. Yeah, come on, Theo. So he said, um, so the skins teenagers go to a party, and MC Hugo is there. MC Hugo is the character's name. He was called that before they met me, but uh, he, he goes, um, he goes. Uh, Okay, yeah, this is MC Hugo on the decks, and we're going to have a tremendous time, yeah? So let's shizzle on this dizzle and party down. Oh. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Is that the end of the podcast? That's actually the end of the podcast. That's, you can never do this podcast anymore. Now that you've had the that. end. It's absolutely That's the big. actual end. That's it. It's I broken. have a lot of regret about saying that line just now, but I think it should go in. Oh my god! Please don't forget it. <laughs> no, you can, you, you can keep that in. I do. I do have regret, but keep it. <laughs> The best part of this podcast is when real things happen, real, real emotions, shame. Just totally yeah. spontaneously without three minutes of ramp up in. <laughs> exactly. I think the whole podcast was just engineered to make me say that in this yeah. microphone. Literally, from when we first rooted the idea of having you on it, it was this there. This is before you even had a podcast. Like, how can we get Theo to record <laughs> exactly. this line like an idiot? Since 2016. a podcast. 
<laughs> we should have some other guests on it as well so it doesn't feel like yeah. right we'll make so. it about 50 minutes something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that so we won't know what's going on <laughs> and we are done oh, stunning <laughs> Thanks, Theo. And that line. Yes. I'm so yes. glad we got him to say it. Finally. Finally. It was great to hear from COVID musician, teacher, and actor, Theo Jameson. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for giving us up uh, all of your time on that day. Yeah. It was nice. Uh, great to see you. <laughs> see you Sorry. around. Thanks. Yeah. That was a bit like Bruce Forsyth, wasn't it? But just the wrong words, but it had the same... You've been thinking a lot about Bruce Forsyth recently. I'm sure you brought Have up I? the Generation Game the other day as well. I did bring up the Generation yeah, Game. Did. What's that? Oh, we, we, we were talking about, about something. Oh, something oh, the secret thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you could work it out from that, I mean, that... Yeah, we're, we've been asked to relaunch the Generation Game. Listen, Jim Davison's <laughs> got in touch and he's got an idea for something. <laughs> Yeah, they heard us talking about Rod Hull and Emu. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be taking the role of Emu. I'm <laughs> 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 just going to attack people, but with through the yeah. medium of my very loud laugh. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, it was all right. It was all right in the end, I think. Oh, I think we got away with yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. Did we, lads? Did we? I hope so. Did we? Yeah. Yeah. Hope your ears are all right. Yeah. Well, that was Theo Jameson. Mm. Check out his musical, You yeah. Me. He's also got a SoundCloud He's got some other songs on there, which you're on, yes, aren't you, Verity? Yes, I am, yeah. And um, they're amazing. They're epic. He just writes, I know we talked about it, but like, he just write in this epic way. They're massive. And I remember him sending through the music and saying, don't worry, straightforward, you know, if you can just record this one this week for me. And I remember, I mean, honestly, ours, they're hard. He writes hard music, but it's great. Once it's done, it's great. <laughs> so hey seb yeah how's your week been yeah. hey hey my week yeah you know what I'm, I'm really enjoying this work-life balance at the moment that's fab because is it just the right amount of both yeah it's not Good. really sustainable because it basically i'm on about one gig a week with mm. the old dirty brasses we've been doing this oh, thing yes. playing in pubs around south london it's Great. The, honestly, it's like the most perfect gig to to come back to. Oh god, that Playing sounds wonderful. In a pub, free booze. Yeah. Three half hour sets. Nice. And we're getting paid. Where's your next and, one? So we can all come down. Hmm. I'm not actually sure. Mm. I feel They're like you're coming of... close to us. I think you're coming to East London at some point. I'm sure oh, I really? saw. We might I think be, you're going actually. to Clapton. Are we? Yeah. I'm gonna come and see that for sure. Oh, let me have a look. Tell you what, we're doing one in uh, Lee Bridge Road, the Princess the, of Wales. That's the one I mean. That's Is that the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you doing that's that? That's the 29th of August. Ooh. Evening? Ooh. Daytime? It'd be daytime, sort of afternoon. Oh, I might try and come down to that one. Do I need to get a ticket? No, you just got to get a get a seat in the pub. And a pint. Wonderful. In fact, you probably don't have to do that anymore, would you? You just turn up to a pub. God, wonderful. Probably no checking in or anything by then. I can't imagine such times, but brilliant. No. Well, yeah, so, but that, that's that been really fun. And then the rest of the week, I've just had nothing on. Just been doing some stuff around the house. Oh. Hanging out with, uh, with my family, really. It's been, oh, that uh, is lovely. It's been nice. But yeah, it's not really, it's not sustainable. But how, how good would that be if you could just imagine. live your life like that? 
six we days off. We need some off intense sponsorship <laughs> for life. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do need an angle on this. <laughs> I had a tooth taken out last week, so I've been basically doing that. Yeah, that that kind of. I'm glad we're back to the horrible. dentistry chat. Um, tell yeah, well, me I thought where, I'd just where? fill everyone in. Yeah, good. Whereabouts? Fill Which everyone tooth? in, you know, to use a dentistry term. It yeah. was like a back right one, the Ooh. one in front of my wisdom tooth. Yeah. And how was yeah. it? Painful as hell or all right? Well, it's, it's more like, I mean, they, they do numb it up, but mm. not enough. Yeah, no. I, had to, I had to get a bit more done. And then it's more about like the sound of it as, oh, as he's God. kind of like wrote, he sort of puts the, I guess, like long tooth pliers or whatever he uses. Don't really want so to put them in. It plunges them into the fire. Gets them out of the fire, yeah, does he? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> puts his foot on your stomach, I'm assuming. Yeah, and my forehead. One on my stomach, one on, on my your... forehead. And then... Yeah. And then he ties he ties it to to the door with a long bit of string. Yeah. But yeah, it's like the pliers around my tooth, and then just like the sort of twisting action, and Ooh. just the sound of it cracking, and yeah, it's bad, it's bad. But yeah, you know, it, it's been all right. And and then went in yesterday, and uh, he went he went to just check it, see it was all right. He had he put stitches in it on the day. All right. Yeah. So he um he like just just whipped out the stitch like in one second mm. i was like like sh- he's showing off though yeah, like, he clearly was that's a poser move isn't it I was, yeah i was <laughs> like did you just take the stitch out but yep all done I was like, all Aww. right that's that's, that's good fancy that's good <laughs> that's like that bit in zoolander where he gets his pants off from under his trousers it was just like that yeah <laughs> and, and also my pants had come off oh, he's, he's good <laughs> he's good is he called hansel <laughs> that's right yeah beautiful blonde hair <laughs> so there you go that's my teeth uh, nice i'm glad just the to update. Keep updated good well yeah. done good and verity yeah what about you i've had a full-on weekend of quartet which has been oh, lovely yeah. yeah it's been intense we had um we had seven gigs in four days which is a wow. one-off this is a one-off scenario but it was good i feel like a you know back in the swing of things bit knackered now bit yeah. days but do you feel really good at the cello now oh let's not Sorry. overplay <laughs> you're about to launch into something yeah no i don't want to overplay my hand but you know i'm definitely feeling stronger stronger yeah but yeah. i'd just like to say i had the like what yeah. was essentially a 1990s dream come true happen this weekend <sighs> i played i played world in motion with john barnes on the telebox oh, <laughs> so good it was it was so good when he came in. I was like, "Oh my god!" And he is the yeah. nicest man. He was so lovely. Did you say what show it was? Was it the last leg? Yeah, it was on the last leg. Yeah. Oh, it was so right. much fun. We got there. We went down to London Television Centre, and uh, they gave yes. us a really nice dressing room with nice white company products and things. We had a designated lady who came and looked after us, which was brilliant. Teas, coffees, food. You name it. Then, this is the best bit. We spent an hour with John Barnes rehearsing his rap, which I don't know if you've heard it yet. Oh, my but... God. <laughs> no, I haven't. Has it been on telly yet? Yeah, it was on on Friday. Night. It was live. It was quite stressful, actually, because they changed. They sent over a file the day before with what they said they wanted us to sort of add to. Had a listen, wrote something down. Then we got a new version of it the next day, and it was totally different. So um, we had a sort of panicked hour where we quickly worked out something. But anyway, spent an hour just chatting with John Barnes, and like he sort of wrapped in inverted commas over the top of it. And uh, it was just, it was amazing. I felt like my 10 year old self was 
in heaven. <laughs> and then he gave us a yeah. team talk before we went on because we were right at the very end of the show and we were stood outside waiting to go on with him. And he was like, guys, if you don't know it now, you're never going to know it. If we don't know this, if we got this. And I was like, oh, you know, great chat, John, thanks. And he went, uh, it's just like <laughs> football. You just got to get out there and just smash it. And, you know... <laughs> Something happened. We did it. I didn't it was know you could do his, his impression. That's so good. Where's this been this whole time? It's just so accurate, isn't it? It's so accurate. But it was great. And um, Richard Ayawade was there, who I love. He was yeah. really nice. And Ashling B, oh. she was great. It was, it was so great. exciting. Did you chat to those guys? Yes, they were really nice. They oh. were really nice. It was lovely. And all the oh. regs. Yeah, it was just, oh, it was so fun. So that and was Josh great. Whittacombe. Josh Whittacombe, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually Amazing. didn't get to chat to him. I really wanted to because he's a Plymouth Argyle fan, so oh yeah, to to him, but uh, he seemed lovely. Anyway, it was really oh, fun. That's really so fun. cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'd never done a live TV thing. You do. You've done all that jazz, haven't you? Quite a few. Yeah, yeah. I've done some live stuff. I've done done things in that. Was it Studio One? Is it like the main yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I've done like Graham Norton in oh, there. Have you? Oh, that's where and, Graham Milton goes. Oh, I didn't know that one. Yeah, yeah. I think he's moved around over, over the years, but yeah. I think it is that one. I'm not sure. I've done Jules Holland. Did that in there? Oh, is that's in there? All right. And Lorraine yeah. and Loose Women. <laughs> they're down the is corridor. Is that in there? They're down just oh, they down have the this, corridor. They're like permanent sign up, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And this morning as well. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I used to love. I mean, I still do love that place. Like, that, there's just su- such a magic about it. I think it's from like Live and Kicking. Yes. And, and like Red Nose Day. Oh. And you just see that building all the time. And I I thought it had been sold off and turned into flats. I think half that... it has. We were trying to work that out when I had a sneaky yeah. look around. Yeah. Because I remember when I came up as a child to do Hearts of Gold <laughs> from Cornwall, mm. um, we went in oh, yeah, that and we, we saw this. Dorian from Birds of a Feather. But that part is now flats. So, yeah. 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 It's cool. I do you remember that bit from Record Breakers. Or maybe it was from Red Nose Day, but with, um, what's his name? Uh, Roy Castle. Roy Castle. Yeah. He tap dances all around the BBC and he tap dances all around the, the fountain bit in the circle. Oh, yes. Yeah. Ah, oh, so good. And then just bits like Alan Partridge. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's all set there, isn't it? It's Will so be. cool. It's iconic, it. isn't it? Uh, them was the days, wasn't it? Them was them days. Yeah. Lovely. Well, I, honestly, I thought it all gone. Like, And then... Mm. I got booked to do something a couple of years ago and then, oh, it's all still here. Cause I know, it's so I also, cool. I, I used to go watch stuff there. Uh, my brother, Grant, he used to be a, pro- a producer on Harry Hill's TV Burp. Oh, that's so the best. I went, they filmed there for a few series, so yeah. I, I went to see that a couple of times. Oh, and, I love uh, that show. Just It's just magic, isn't it? I just love, yeah. I love studios. And yeah, me too. All that, all that malarkey. Yeah, it's just really exciting. It had that real feeling of like, mm. just like old school entertainment. It's so, yeah. it's sort of not messy. I don't know what the word is. It's like, I love that ad hoc feeling of just kind of, it's all in the moment, isn't it? It's not like you yeah. don't go back over things. You can't go back over and do it perfectly and do it again. No. It's just, it's a bit more exciting and yeah. And I got hair and makeup. That was the best. I oh, thought yes. maybe they'd just put a, a bit of anti-shine on, but no, I got the works. And my hair done really nicely, proper makeup. I just want those girls to come with me everywhere. Yeah. They took years off my face. It was brilliant. <laughs> 
great. Oh, well, yeah. What so a nice experience. That's yeah. cool. We should, yeah, we should let them go, shouldn't we, after all that extolling of uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. joy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you've had a good week, listener, mm. and um, doing some cool stuff. I hope so too. That'd be yeah. nice. But you could um, always join our Patreon in the meantime. <laughs> if you're bored, got a bit of extra yeah. cash in your pocket and you fancy doing something good for yeah. us. <laughs> there is um, some extra Theo. Yeah. little extra bonus episode mm. with him. Probably going into more depth on the, the technical mm. side. That's right. Uh, yeah. Talking about favourite bits of musicals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Bit of Kendrick kind of Lamar thing. chat. Yeah. Well, yeah, we chat about Kendrick Lamar, yeah. chat about Hamilton. Yeah. We talk about collaborating on something like a musical and and how that changes decisions and all that kind of stuff. Yes. And, um, yeah. It's good. Check yeah. it out. There's loads of other episodes too. There's, there's loads. <laughs> so much. There's, it's just so much so material. Much. Tons. <laughs> um, right. Should we go? Let's. Uh, have a good week, everyone. See you next time on Three in a Bar. Bye. Bye. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.